This is the Building Management Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. As people become more comfortable in the home building automation space, they want to be able to take this commercial as well. We're starting to ask that question, where is my water coming from and what's the quality of it? While we are not recession proof, it is a recession insulated industry so that regardless of the ups and downs in the stock market, if these manufacturers, these plants and these entities want to stay open, they need water. Renovations complete, let's enter the building. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. With 2018's hurricane season coming to a close, it's safe to say the last two years of extreme weather events have been more than catastrophic. The effect that these storms have had on schools and universities is particularly potent. Running on tight budgets, severe weather can damage aging infrastructure and put teachers and students at risk of drowning, contamination, disease, and stress. Not only that, but schools often act as evacuation centers during hurricanes, introducing new issues of comfort and safety for large crowds of people. These extreme weather events create reactive and proactive challenges for facility managers in education. So how can they better prepare and where should they look first? To give us insight on how schools are looking to get ahead and stay ahead of severe weather, we sat down with Jack Bullock, Chief Engineer for Synergistic a company which provides cost-saving benefits on utilities for K-12 districts, universities, and municipalities. Bullock himself holds patents in interval data analytics, whole building simulation analytics, and has a patent pending for an active fault diagnostic system for commercial buildings mechanical systems. With varied experience in the field, Bullock said the answer to get ahead is in the data. Recent challenges like varying dew points and hurricanes accelerating at a faster rate have put a strain on facility managers. But with a varied approach to data analysis, they can find some reprieve. Monthly data for reducing utility bill costs, interval data for prescriptive daily measures, and EMS information all bundled together can better prepare facility managers for severe weather. Bullock gives examples of this data at play and how it saved schools thousands in the wake of devastating hurricanes. He also gives insight on which is the most powerful kind of data for school facility managers to harness. All right, today we're joined by Jack Bullock. He is the chief engineer for Synergistic, and you are in studio in Dallas. How are you doing today, Jack? Very good. Great to have you here. Um, I'm excited to dig into our topic, which is surprisingly very, very timely on the heels of Hurricane Michael. Um, We're gonna be chatting about how facility managers, specifically in the education space, because that's where Synergistic really focuses, how they can use data to be reactive and proactive um, when a catastrophic storm hits their building. So tell me a bit about just broad scope. In the last several years, I think we've seen an increasing amount of large-scale storms affecting buildings in susceptible areas. What have you seen from a client perspective about new challenges that they've had to adapt to? Yeah, we've seen uh, we've seen extremes. Uh, we use weather models to do uh, prediction on weather mm-hmm. and data. We see that dew points are higher. We're seeing periods of drought, periods of excessive rain. We're seeing hurricanes. We're seeing just more. 
uh, in more varieties of storms. Right, which is putting those facility managers in a tough spot to not only have to react to more issues, but find ways to be proactive and prepare for uh, maybe some weather events that they hadn't had to deal with in the past. Is that what you're seeing as well? Absolutely, absolutely. What would you say is the the most damaging weather event in the last few years or kind of weather event that facility managers are having to readapt their um, safety structure or uh, how they prepare, how they react to said weather event? The biggest event we've seen has not been a single hurricane. It's right. been the higher dew points that we've seen across the south, the, uh, the extended rain periods that's causing um, um, uh, moisture management issues in our in our schools. Okay. We've had a number of articles in the paper where schools have had mold and, and, and complaints and they've had to shut schools down. So um, that higher dew points and uh, the, the rise of moisture management issues has really been the issue that we've seen broadly across our schools. Right. So let's focus on the facility management professionals first. Uh, what are some steps that you encourage your clients to take when dealing with, let's start with dew points specifically. Uh, Since this is a particularly new issue, how can they get ahead of the curve on this? Yeah, uh, in monitoring relative humidities in your schools and dew points in your schools and uh, keeping track of what the dew points are outside is critical for facility managers. Um, the, um, The relative humidity is the measure of the distance the actual temperature in a room is from dew point. So if you can keep your temperature 20 degrees off dew point, you're at 50% relative humidity. So knowing what the dew points are, internal to your buildings and external to your buildings, and managing your temperatures um, is is really critical. Uh, The first um, strategy that a lot of people use is to lower the temperature in the space to make it cooler because they think the air conditioning runs more. But what you're actually doing is you're moving closer to dew point. And so you're increasing the relative humidity. So you want to separate that internal temperature from uh, the dew point. So knowing what your dew points are and uh, trying to manage the internal temperatures to stay away from dew point is critical. Right. Well, it sounds like really the the best way to get ahead of all this is by utilizing data. And and that seems like the way several industries are headed. Um, And it's great to see that building and facility managers are utilizing sensor data now to get ahead of the curve. Uh, tell me a bit about new ways or uh, really practical ways that you've seen facility managers, especially in education, utilize data to see cost savings, um, to ensure better safety measures, and really not let these catastrophic storms um, you know, take them too by surprise. Synergistic is really focused on data. We pull data from our clients every night. We pull interval data, we pull monthly data, and we pull EMS data. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we're running analytics on it. We're looking at what's their dew points, what's their internal temperatures, uh, when is the building starting, are they running a dehumidification cycle, and we're notifying our boots on the ground, our energy specialists that we put in our clients' uh, facilities uh, to take actions based on that data. So we're trying to be proactive, we're trying to learn buildings and how they respond to temperatures and dew points and take the corrective actions that are needed. Yeah. Well, I think the education realm, you get several different challenges because not only are you aiming to maintain security and comfort for students and teachers who work there or study there every day, but in the in, in the case of a 
large-scale hurricane, some of those schools might also become evacuation centers. And so now you're also having to deal with how do you adapt um, a gymnasium or an entire school facility to now be a safe haven for people looking to weather out the storm. Yeah, um, this, uh, the focus we've, we've uh, put on that is through the energy specialist. We've had the energy specialist monitoring those uh, safe areas 24 hours a day to make sure the temperatures are comfortable in there. Mm-hmm. We've taken actions to try to make sure they're comfortable. Uh, we've helped clients um, uh, position those uh, buildings in those areas so they're ready for the people to arrive. And then we've helped them to decommission those afterwards. And we've also quantified the value of how much it costs them to run those centers so they can get reimbursement from the federal government. Right. So, so, so the data isn't just there for safety, but it really, it really is there for cost savings as well. It is. Yeah. Um, one client, we were able to get them reimbursed for fifty thousand dollars for wow. um, um, the cost of running their safe center. Yeah. Walk me through that story. Tell me a bit about how you advise that client to utilize their data the best way possible. So it was Pinellas County Schools. Um, what we did is we 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 started the systems up. We got the evacuation centers ready. We pre-cooled them so they were ready for people to arrive. We monitor them through the whole storm uh, to make sure that the people were comfortable in those centers. And then we did the shutdown. And in the whole period of time, we were data logging how much energy they were using so that we could present that data to the client and they could get reimbursed from FEMA. And it worked out perfectly. I think an issue with accessing this data in the first place is just installing the necessary equipment to be able to monitor this data. And, you know, I know school budgets are tight and um, getting getting this really important information to schools, especially I think schools that are more susceptible to this damage, I think are the ones that also have lower budgets and have more decaying infrastructure. And so I think that that creates a a difficult scenario. So how do you and your company assist in getting this technology to the schools that really need it. A lot of the data is available. It's surprising how much data we can get from almost every client uh, without installing anything. But Synergistic, um, our program is there's no upfront costs. Um, Synergistic uh, bears all the costs of implementation of the program. So if there is data connectors or data sensors that we need to install, Mm -hmm. we do it as our cost as part of the program. I see. So there's no upfront costs at all. Nice. Well, that that must be very helpful then. Yeah, for the clients, definitely. So I'd like to analyze the data that you can actually observe and maybe break down. I know you have a data pyramid that you adhere to, and I'd like to break down each chunk to really look at some examples of how facility managers can use each type of data set to see proactive and reactive results. So let's start with the monthly data. Now, obviously, this isn't something that you can really get to ahead on because by nature it's monthly. So you're only getting it once a month, you're getting it, it's old data already. What are some of the reactive changes or decisions you can make based around this data as a facility manager? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of gold in this data. All the, all the different layers of our pyramid give us um, a real cost-saving results for our clients. Mm-hmm. Monthly data we focus on uh, was the bill right? Uh, did the bill look reasonable from the previous year? Uh, is the billing period for the correct period? Is the rate the right rate they're on? Yeah. Um, is there an anomaly like a leak or something that's popped up on the bill? There's a spike this mm-hmm. month. All those things our analytics run through and, and notify our energy specialists when there's any issues with monthly data. And then they would take the action item to complete the resolution of those and get the refund for the client. Okay. So the monthly data 
really is more on the cost saving sides of things. It's it's analyzing the bills and then making informed decisions on how to save more for the following month. That's right. Right. So then we get to interval data, which you describe as uh, prescriptive data. So break down that set and how facility managers can use that to their advantage. Great. Um, interval data is data that's uh, every 15 minutes. So it takes a read of how much energy the building's consuming every 15 minutes. Uh, so we've written analytics uh, and gotten patents on analytics to look at that data stream. We look at what is the base load of the building? What is its minimal energy consumption at, when it's unoccupied? Mm -hmm. We want to make sure every day we get to that minimum base load. And if we don't, then we want to dispatch our energy specialists to figure out what is running that's not allowing it get, to get to that base load. We want to know when the building is starting up in the morning. If people are going to arrive at 8 o'clock, we don't want it starting at 3 o'clock in the morning. So we're, we're calculating exactly when that startup period is, and then we're monitoring it. If a building's starting early, that's, again, a dispatch of our energy specialists to go out and figure out why we're starting that building early. We want to uh, analyze where it's setting its peak. Is it setting the peak at startup in the morning, or is it setting the peak in the middle of the heat of the day? So we have analytics that look at that, and we make decisions on how we schedule the building based on where the peak's getting set. Gotcha. Then we look at that shutdown curve of the building. How is it shutting down at night? Is it, uh, is it running uh, almost at full load till 10 o'clock when we can get it down to maybe half a full load at 6 p.m. Mm. and then coast the rest of the day? And then we go back and look at what the base load is at midnight and make sure that we're shutting the building down all the way to that base load that we're targeting. Mm. So we use this analytics to do this every day with every meter from every client, and it works very well. Yeah. So, I mean, really, it's, it's like a new challenge every day and making sure you meet that criteria every single day. Right. So does that take um, human monitoring 24-7, or do you also have AI and machine learning that assists to help make the process easier since it is a 24-hour job? Yeah, it's all machine learning and AI. Right. That's exactly how we do it. We, uh, we upload to the Amazon cloud. We're using machine learning to look at the history of the building to develop the targets, and then we measure the current data against those targets. Wonderful. And then the last data set is predictive data or uh, energy management system data, which I guess is even, it's an even more real time than the prescriptive data. So tell me, with that rapid level of data, you're getting it so quickly, what can you do with that on you know, a minute to minute basis? So energy management data is data from the, um, the system that maintains comfort in the building. So it knows the temperatures of every room. As we look around this room in here, we have temperature sensors that are monitoring. So we'll know the temperatures of every room in a class, in a, in a school. Mm -hmm. We can identify when rooms are uncomfortable, and we can dispatch our energy specialists to go and work that problem. Yeah. We can identify when valves and dampers aren't working properly. We can identify when uh, uh, a system is not delivering the capacity it should to a building, and it's struggling to recover. Uh, so with that data, we can really get it down to, uh, to predicting failure before they happen. Wonderful. So now let's pull it back out and look at how all of this data is essential during extreme weather events. Um, so let's break down. We can stick with Hurricane Michael. We can stick with any of the three hurricanes last year. But how have you seen clients utilize these different data sets during extreme weather to see either cost savings or comfort um, or better safety for students and teachers or transform their school into an evacuation center. I mean, there's 
almost limitless options. Yes. Uh, so um, we use all layers of the data pyramid to monitor our clients' buildings during the hurricane. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we first initially help them shut down and isolate their buildings. We right. want to get all the equipment turned off. We want to get all the isolation dampers shut. We want to make sure, sure those buildings are really ready for uh, the hurricane to come. And our energy specialists take ownership for that with the client. They'll, they'll go and make sure that everything is, is ready for the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Then they can monitor the interval data as long as it's available to make sure the buildings don't start back up. Because these are automated systems, sometimes we'll find we shut things down and they start again. Right. So we're monitoring continuously to try to figure out if, if things are coming back on. And then once the hurricane passes, we're the, we take ownership to go out and make sure that the systems are shut up prop, or turned back on properly. Um, and, and in doing that, we find a lot of problems. We uh, find uh, buildings that have, you know, electrical phases that are not there and, and they shouldn't be started back up. Uh, we've saved our clients a lot of money uh, by finding problems before they became bigger problems. Yeah. I know that uh, very recently one of your clients, uh, you, you worked with them to avoid some pretty catastrophic uh, energy issues after Hurricane Michael. Tell me that story. And Yeah, yeah it was at uh, Northwest Florida State. Yeah. Um, what we had was um, a, a leg, you know, three-phase power is what schools run off of. Okay. One of the legs was down, so okay. it only had two phases of power. And uh, they were going to turn the building on remotely, the HVAC systems on remotely. And what that would have done is caused a, caused a lot of motor failure, a lot of issues, uh, probably a lot of trip breakers that somebody's going to have to go fix. Right. Uh, so it was, um, it was really good that our energy specialist went and inspected the building first, determined that the power was not right, and avoided that startup. So it sounds like it's a mix of being able to analyze the monthly data for cost savings, being able to monitor things that are happening in real time. But then, you know, it's not just the technology. It's really maintaining the human element as well and having someone that's invested in the facility and to be able to know where should we be focusing the data or what data should we be sifting through? Because at the end of the day, data alone is almost a bigger burden than not having it because you just have all this information. It's like, where do we begin? But having experts that know how to sift through it and and know what the issues are going to be or at least understand um, you know, where, where to sift is important. The key statement that the maintenance director uh, told me about Florida State and how the energy specialist helped him was it gave him more time to focus on other parts of preparation for the hurricane. Right. He knew that our energy specialist was going to handle the shutdown of the buildings and make sure they were isolated. So there are a lot of data sets to pull information from, and there are a lot of opportunities for facility managers to either react or be proactive for extreme weather events. But if you had to give one tip or, you know, if you had to invest your energy into one kind of data that is going to see the most cost savings or is going to see the best uh, level of safety, what would that be and why? We see the biggest um, amount. There's Each layer of the pyramid has different um, advantages. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monthly data is really all about saving on that utility bill. It's, right. it's about understanding what you're paying, making sure you're paying the right amount, making sure that the level of consumption hasn't changed dramatic f- from the previous month and the previous year, uh, just understanding how your, your billing is. Interval data really gives you a snapshot into exactly how that building is operating. Uh, and so we feel like interval data is the key for really optimizing buildings and understanding 
how they're operating during a, a major storm event or, um, um, or a hurricane. If we can get interval data, we can understand what's going on in the building. Definitely. Yeah, and no, I feel like with, with schools especially, there's such a need for that reactive data um, because you're not only dealing with, with a lot of uh, very important infrastructure, but if you think about the students themselves who – live in that environment, basically, um, their mental health, their safety, their, uh, just their comfort there, uh, is very important, especially after a major hurricane event, uh, could be a major storm. It could be a hurricane, whatever it is. And you're left with picking up the pieces and having to, um, to see how do we now prepare this school to bring students back in. Um, it's really important to analyze that data and to have, a plethora of it so that you can make informed decisions to not only keep students safe but comfortable. Yes, um, a key component of what Synergistic does is use that data along with our energy specialists that are on site, our engineering team that's at our center of excellence, mm -hmm. and our technicians that work in the field. All this uh, comes together for a client to make sure that we can get them back up and running as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. And we do it in a way that protects their buildings, protects the environment, and protects the students. Well, I think with, uh, with the unpredictability of these weather events, uh, it's important to have people like you, like Synergistic there in the corner of, uh, of schools and colleges and universities, um, because yeah, it's, it's definitely a paramount time to be proactive and reactive. So, yeah. Thank you, Jack, so much for coming into the studio and giving us your insight on this. I really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thank yeah. you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure to leave a rating and comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.